You know, I've not spoken for many years on tithing or giving. And I'm not sure why. But as I was studying Malachi a number of months ago, it was impressed on me that I hadn't done what I should have been doing over many years. And by not doing what I should have been doing over many years, I may have withheld God's blessing on you. I didn't do it purposely. But that doesn't make it right. You see, God had always provided enough in the bank account of the church. And I was doing my giving. And I was saying over the weeks and months, you know, even, even here, as Stephen prayed, this is what he said. Father, we're just giving back to you what you've already given to us. And we say it every week. You see, I thought we've always got enough in the, in the bank account. That's, you know, we're all, we're all right. We've all, God's always providing. But it's been pressing heavily on my heart that I may have been withholding the blessing from you. And if you read Malachi, go away and read it. I'm not saying read it from a point of legalism law. <clears throat> I'm saying go and read it from a point of the character of God through it. That he's the same today as he was then. And that pressing on my heart's been heavy. The thought that I might have been withholding blessings for the fellowship has been heavy. And we've constantly, I've tried to constantly share the importance of giving, teaching our children. You know, we, some people don't have the offering go round. And I'm, I'm saying, no, we need to do that so that we can teach our children to give. Though our tithe goes into the bank, we're teaching our children to give. Let's carry on. We're not asking visitors to give. It's just simply a good teaching aid. And I may have taken it for granted that maybe we, we've, as adults, we, we've, we've heard enough that enables us to do what was right in our giving. And that's why I, I want to bring this today and over the next couple of weeks. I want you, I don't, God doesn't, I, I'm not saying this because I want your money in the church. I'm saying this because I want God to come and bless you more. And I want you to fully understand what I believe is the consequences involved in not doing what is right. Right? 
I, I want to be absolutely clear of this. We do not teach or believe the TV evangelists who scream, give and God will bless you. We do not teach a financial prosperity gospel in this fellowship. Though what I've wanted to teach, and I may have fallen short of, is I wanted to teach an obedience prosperity gospel. That when we're obedient to Him, He pours out His blessing on us. And when we're disobedient to Him, He withholds His blessing. Scripture definitely teaches that when we're imitating the life of Christ in all the areas of our life, God will pour out His blessing on us. And that blessing comes in prosperity and health and strength. And it comes in finance according to God's will for our lives. I don't understand it all. But I know when I've been obedient, God's poured out His love upon me. Poured out His provision. And as we move towards a new pastor, I believe what I'm going to bring over the next number of weeks is vital for the blessing and the continuation and growth of this fellowship. It's vital. I believe how we move from here in our giving is vitally important. And it's, this teaching is not in any way meant to condemn anyone. It's not about that. It's meant to release God's blessing and provision towards us individually and as a fellowship. That's what it's for. This comes from Matthew 21. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures over the next few weeks. This is Matthew 21, verses 33 to 41. It says this. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sends other servants to them, more than the first, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, 
He sent his son to them. His son. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Who will give him the share of his crop at the harvest time. You see, Jesus speaks here. This whole parable is about not giving God what is God's. That's what the parable is about. You see, how we live and what we think as believers must be guided by Scripture. The sinful culture we are living in must, must be changed by the Word of God. Must be changed by our Bible doctrine. And it cannot be allowed. The world we live in cannot be allowed to change our doctrine. The Word of God. That's what's happening today throughout the church, throughout our country, throughout the world. They want to tell us that Scripture's wrong. We haven't understood it properly. Matthew 7, 15 says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. There are wolves in the church. I'm not meaning the local church. Now I'm talking the church of God, the body of Christ. There are wolves trying to get in. And they come purposely twisting the word of God to suit themselves. They come often teaching love. This love at all costs. Don't worry. It's all right. Just love. We sin. Don't worry. It's all right. Keep on sinning. Just love. And there are many, there are many doing it on TV and making a lot of money. But they won't escape. Marriage is no longer for a man and a woman. It's a woman's right to abort and take a life. They're all de these things are already within the church. And often they're not exposed, but they're in. You see, there are goats eating the pasture right by the side of the sheep. Goats and sheep in the same pasture. And the goats and the sheep 
are hearing the same things. But one of them hears the voice of God and the other doesn't and does his own thing. You see, those wolves are going to come preaching lying words of comfort that appeal to our flesh. Words that will make it easier for us to continue to sin. Easy for us to rebel against the Lord. Wolves are those who bring three things in particular. Denial of the Word, division of the fellowship, and death in their preaching. You see, they bring words that are untrue, but you know what they do? They coat those words with sugar so they'll be sweet to us. I want to I quickly review what I, I, I shared a couple of weeks ago. I focused on Abraham, known as the father of the faith. And we read in Genesis 14 that he, he recovered his nep- nephew after being taken captive. And after he come back, Melchizedek, the priest, comes out and uh, we believe he was a type of Christ. Some believe he was a theophany, um, Christ in, in human form. Um, but this is what Abraham does. He gives him a tenth of, what he, of his provision. This is what Matthew twenty-two thirty-two says. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It says, He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are living, not in the flesh, but spiritually. You see, the Scripture tells of the eternal spiritual life of those who belong to God, not the flesh life which is temporary, Scripture shows that these great father figures of the faith all recognized, I want you to know this, all those fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all recognized tithing and paid tithes in one form or another long before the Old Testament law came. Hebrews 7, 9 and 10 says this, One might even say, who collects the tenth? So one might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. And then it goes on to say in Genesis 28 then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me, and watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a tenth. 
all that God gives him, he says, I will give a tenth. Abraham tithed. Jacob tithed. You see, the goal of my teaching over these next couple of weeks is twofold. The goal is that we as a fellowship will re-examine and question ourselves, our giving, our hearts, that what is due and what is right to God. That's the goal. That we will re-examine what we're giving and if it's right and pleases God. And the second goal is this. That in doing that, we will recognize the promises of God and His continued blessing and His continued provision according to His will when we are obedient. I want to go back further than Genesis 14. Further than Abraham. I want to go to Cain and Abel. We all know the story of Cain and Abel. And them making their, their offerings. <clears throat> How did Cain and Abel know what to sacrifice? What to bring? Did it just pop into their minds? It was Adam and Eve who had walked with God in the garden who instructed Cain and Abel about an appropriate giving of worship in the offering. You see, Adam and Eve instructed their children that, listen, this is what is acceptable to God. This is what is appropriate what you to bring to Him as an act of worship. And when that time came, we know the story, Abel was obedient, and Cain wasn't obedient. God spoke really harshly to Cain. And God, listen, go and read it, God pronounced a curse on him. We just read about another curse on Israel. Cain knew what was right. And God was just when it wasn't right in his response. Listen to what Genesis 4, 6 says. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, Cain? Why is your face downcast? Now listen to this. This is a great lesson for us. If you do what is right... Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Is sin crouching at your door? You see, over the last couple of weeks, and I didn't deal with it properly at the beginning, but over the last couple of weeks, I want to establish that tithing, meaning a tenth, preceded the Old Testament law. It preceded it with Cain and Abel. 
It preceded it with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was before the law. The tenth is not about law. You see, sometimes, you know what we do? We, we sang a song uh, earlier, and it said that um, our very breath, Nice says it very often, our very breath is given by Him. So what He's saying is, I'm going to give you everything, but a tenth belongs to me. You can have the 90%, but the tenth belongs to me. I want you to bring it back. It's hard, isn't it? But you know with those in our flesh, we want to decide how much we bring, if we should bring it, when we should bring it, and who we should give it to. You see, In the Lord of Moses, in the Old Testament, there was two types of giving. There was the tithe. So, each year they would give a tenth. And they knew it belonged to God. And then if you read your Old Testament again, above and beyond that was the offering. See, we, we don't give the tenth. It already belongs to him. It's not ours to give him. It's his. We're just looking after it for him and then we've got to take it to where he tells us. That's how the Jew saw the tenth. The offering, our worship, our offering, is what we give out of ours. That's how the Jew saw it. I'm going to lead there and go and study it. Go, if you want to go and read... See, I, I haven't brought a teaching on the New Testament and tithe and not tithe or whatever. What I'm trying to establish for you is that there was a tithe before the Old Testament, before the law. We know there's a tithe in the law. But how does it apply to us in the church? Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the, the, the tithe of the Old Testament. How Jesus saw that. How we look on it. Go and read Malachi. And when you read it, don't be thinking, it's all Old Testament, it doesn't apply. It might not apply. But what does apply is the character of God in it. How he deals with what happens. Go and read it. We'll come back next week. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Father, as we approach a new season in this fellowship, Father, as I stand down and you bring a new man whoever he may be, young or old, Father, I pray forgive me that I have not taught this earlier, that I've taken it for granted that over the years we've said enough. 
Father, I pray for each person here and whoever hears it, Lord, that we won't look at this as something that we don't want to be involved in or we don't want to do or we don't want to hear. Father, give us hearts and minds that are teachable. I pray we would go from here, Father, and go and read. And together we would come back and look at it afresh. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.